everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Anybody recognize that? Tarzan. And that's the old, old school Johnny Weissmiller, 1938. Vintage Tarzan yell. Because when Tarzan would yell, what would happen? All of the wild kingdom would come to his rescue. You would think it was curtains for the guy, but no, no, no. He would yell, and the animals would follow his voice. Well, today I'm beginning an industrial strength series, a high challenge series. I'm talking about the end of the world. Whenever I talk about the end of the world, whenever anyone mentions this subject, questions abound, doubts arise, serious discussions take place because most of us know that we're near the end. In fact, you talk to biblical scholars, you talk to people who've walked with God for a long, long while, they'll tell you in no uncertain terms that this redemptive novel is coming to an end. You can tell, just like you're reading a a book by the character development, you can tell as you're turning page after page, you can tell as you get near the end of the book, we're facing the final frontier. Have you ever thought about the fact that we're made for a good ending? Have you ever ever just considered that? Think about children's books, from The Three Little Pigs to the Berenstain Bears. Usually those books end this way, sit with me, and they live what? Happily ever after. I don't know about you, but I like a happy ending. I'm an adult now and I read books and watch movies, television shows, whatever. I want them to end in a good way. I wanna know in my heart that they're living happily ever after. Say it again, happily ever after. If I could give you this, this talk in one sentence, it would be this. Are you ever ready for the ever after? Are you ever ready for the ever after? Because all of us will live forever. I've never looked at a person in my life, nor have you, that's not an eternal being. Isn't that just crazy? We have a hard time wrapping our brains around it. You're eternal, I'm eternal, you're eternal. Everyone here is eternal. And the Bible says we will spend eternity in one of two places. One place is an awesome place. One place is a not so good place. The scriptures also encourage us to talk about the end of the world. It it doesn't mean that we concentrate on data that doesn't matter. Because a lot of times you're talking about prophecy, you're talking about the end times, people get so focused on just the data, the the whys and the whens that they miss the whos and the yous. Because if, if this stuff does not affect my life, if this stuff does not affect your life, if this stuff does not affect marriages here, families here, kids here, careers here, finances here, your recreational pursuits here, how you spend your time here, then really, when really we're talking about just data that doesn't matter. So I want to talk to you about data that matters. The data that we can download 
And, and the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, will use it to change our very lives. So this, this series, this industrial strength series should encourage us. In fact, the scripture writer said, as you study the end of the world, it should encourage you. And it should enlighten you and me. We should be like, whoa, I didn't know that. I'm learning. And also, it should cause us, you and me, to, to share with others about the fact that we're eternal beings and to share with others the good news, the good news of the message of Jesus. So I think when we talk about this stuff, we need to understand there is a sequential order in it. So before I get into some of the comments that I'm going to talk about in this first session, think about three stages of development, three acts, if you will. Act one in the life of Jesus is his incarnation. Say incarnation. 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 You know what incarnation means? You're probably wondering. What's your name? Kelly. What's up, Kelly? How you doing? You said that great. Thank you. How old are you? I'm 14. 14. Okay, Kelly, incarnation means God became flesh. A baby was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born in an ordinary piece of farm furniture. The Bible says the word, Jesus, John 1, 1, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what the incarnation means. And we celebrate that, what, December 25th? That's Christmas. Uh, that's, that's act one. Act two would be his redemption. What's, what's Christ's redemption, Kelly? The redemption took place when Jesus voluntarily died on the cross for your sins and mine, your mistakes and mine, rose again, thereby giving us an opportunity to be wrecked by grace. We don't have, we don't have, um, uh, we don't have an opportunity like the opportunity to submit our lives to Christ. I mean, those opportunities don't, don't come along every day. When we have the opportunity to turn from our sins and turn to Jesus and accept his grace and mercy, we can be ambushed by that. We become followers of Christ and we can do that because he has redeemed us. He died on the cross for our sins and rose again. That's the essence of our faith. So we got one, the incarnation, two, the redemption, three, the coronation. The coronation, what's the coronation? That's when he'll be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what we're talking about in this series. So we're talking about the stuff that happens between the redemption, two, and the coronation, three. The redemption, act two, the coronation, act three. Everything is moving that way. And the Bible says in many different places, in fact, a third of the Bible rightly interpreted is about the second coming of Jesus. A third of the Bible, rightly interpreted, is about the second coming of Jesus. Have you thought about that? That's how huge it is. And again, God's going to pour out his favor upon our lives as we study this and as it causes us to do what? To, to change our lives from the inside out. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because I want to give you briefly what's going to happen during this second coming, during this process of the coronation, during the, the, the final frontier. Because 
you know, questions abound and doubts surface and all this stuff happens, but I think it's important that we need to know. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 16 through 18. Let me read, excuse me for a second. How you doing? That's a cool coat. I like that. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Oh, Tarzan, I know it's a weak illustration. He yells, he shouts, what happens? Boom, the wild kingdom follows him. They get him out of trouble and turmoil. Jesus shouts, the Bible says. What's gonna happen? The first thing he's gonna shout is, he's gonna shout, get up. Get up, say get up with me. Get up. Who's he shouting to? Get up. He's shouting to those believers, are you ready for this? Who died. When someone dies who's a follower of Christ, what happens? The moment they die, they move, their soul moves from this life into eternity with Jesus. They've been wrecked by grace. They're believers. Their soul, whoom, is in heaven. We dig a grave, right, and bury them in a casket. Their body is buried. Their soul is in heaven. When Jesus comes again, he's going to shout. And the first thing he's going to shout is, he's going to shout, get up. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, the first people that will be raptured, the first people that will be caught up will be the dead in Christ. Why? Well, because they need a six foot head start. That's what I believe. <laughs> I just threw that in. The dead will rise first, the Bible says. And here's what's gonna happen. Their bodies will meet their souls in the air. There's gonna be this beautiful collision. So the first to rise when Jesus shouts, get up, are gonna be those who have died. Their bodies, again, are under the ground. Their souls have been living forever with Jesus. The Bible says though, we're gonna have new bodies. Isn't that cool? New bodies, glorified bodies. And I don't know what in the world they'll look like, but they're gonna be amazing. Heard about this woman the other day, she was 60 years old and, and she was praying and asking God, God, she said, let me live for 30 more years. God, please let me live for 30 more years. And, and God said, you know what? I'll grant you your prayer request, but you got to get some cosmetic surgery. You got to start eating right and exercising. So this girl went to the best cosmetic surgeon, she got everything done and she began to eat right and exercise and everything was looking just awesome. So she decided, okay, I'm going to New York to buy a new wardrobe. So she went to New York, she's on Madison Avenue, buying a new wardrobe and clothing and all that. So she steps out in front of a bus, ah, ah, ah. <clears throat> the bus runs her over, kills her. Well, she goes to heaven, she goes, Lord, I thought you told me I had 30 years left. I did what you told me to do. Why did you allow that bus to run me over? And God said, I didn't recognize you.
That's kind of weak. But anyway, it does illustrate a great point. Here's the point. The point is our bodies will look so amazing, so unbelievable, so perfect in this life, we, we, we probably won't even be able to recognize ourselves. That's how amazing it's going to be. So the first thing that Jesus will say to the dead in Christ, get up. Now, the second thing he's going to say is give up. And let me add one, shut up. Now, who's he going to say that to? The devil. He's going to tell the devil to give up. The devil is a defeated foe. The devil has been dominated and humiliated, and the devil will go to his rightful place. Now, if you have your Bibles, you might want to jot this down in the margin, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, or maybe Ephesians chapter 6, because you're going to find out something that the devil is called the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of what? The air. Jesus will come back in the air, right? He'll say, get up. The dead will meet their souls in the air. Then he's going to tell the devil, give up and shut up. Let me keep reading because the plot clots. I'm telling you, we're winding down. I mean, there's only a couple of pages left. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. I'm reading 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 with a loud command and the voice of the archangel. Who is that? The voice of the archangel, Michael. Michael spends his life 24-7 kicking the devil's butt. That's what he does. And with the trumpet call of God, he's going to do that. The dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, we got that. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, verse 18, encourage each other with these words. So again, Jesus is going to say, get up. Then he's going to tell the devil to give up. One of the signs of the end times, and we're going to talk about some of the signs of the the final days, is the fact that what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. Everything becomes inverted. Truth is relative. In other words, what's true to you, what's your name, man? Tanner. What's up, Tanner? What's true to Tanner is true to him. What's true to me is true to me. And everything is based on relativism. So when you follow that current for a while, everything becomes wacky and chaotic. We, we, we pursue particulars as opposed to absolute truth. And the result is utter and complete chaos. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. I brought that up earlier. Think about the airwaves. Think about what goes on in the air. Think about technology. Think about the movies. Think about conversations. Think about so much of the music that we listen to. Now, I'm not a prude. I mean, I've hung out in locker rooms and done that whole deal. But the other day, I hate to confess this, Lisa and I went to see this movie, Couples Retreat. Wow, a brilliant concept. You know, premise, the movie could have been really great, but the overt sexuality, the immorality, the language, the innuendos, 
absolutely demonic. And I don't say that lightly. Well, you might be going, well, you know, married people see that. Yeah, yeah, married people will see that. But I tell you, is it going to really see that? Teenagers, they're going to see that. And you're taking a God-given gift and you're using it in a God-forbidden way. He's the prince of the power of the air. And then that same night, we saw the movie in the afternoon, and I'm embarrassed that we even saw the movie. That same night, we went to Blockbuster, and we rented this movie. It's already on DVD, Will Ferrell's Land of the Lost. Great, Land of the Lost. Oh, man, what a cool thing. Very innovative, et cetera. Well, watch that movie and just begin to write down what you're watching, the words, again, the angles, Kids are going to watch that. And I'm telling you, man, it does not honor God at all. I'm not a prude, but what do you put in your mind? What do you allow to come in your home? Because what you allow to come in your home gets in your head. Once it gets in your head, it gets in your heart. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in. Garbage out. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. Don't ever forget it. So Jesus is saying, hey, step aside. Man, you're defeated. Give up. Shut up. I'm tired of your lies. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. And then he's going to tell you and me what? To, to go up. To go up. And we'll be raptured. What does it mean to be raptured? I like this word, rapture. If you go back and look at for example, when Philip was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, the Ethiopian eunuch, a very wealthy guy, he uh, was in this Maserati chariot cruising and he was reading Isaiah and he didn't know what it meant. And Philip just showed up and, 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 and the Ethiopian eunuch goes, hey, you want to you know, sit in my Maserati and kind of explain to me scripture? And Philip did. And, and the guy became a believer. He was wrecked by grace. And Philip said, let's stop this Maserati. And let's get baptized because that's the public profession of our faith. He was baptized. Then the Bible says, boom, Philip was caught up and he went somewhere else. That is the picture behind the word rapture. The Bible says a couple of people be working in the field. All of a sudden, boom, one will be gone. A couple of people just walking down the street, boom, they're going to be gone. So we'll be caught up by this force. And I don't understand and I can't wrap my pea brain around the mystery. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. But I'm telling you this, these words should encourage those of us who are believers. Now, if you're not a believer, these words might kind of make you a little bit fearful and fretful. But here's, here's, here's the great thing. You can become a believer. You can seize this opportunity to become a follower of Christ. Why do you have this desire for the afterlife? Why do you have this desire to live happily ever after? It was placed there by God himself. Are you, are you ever ready for the ever after? Are you? Well, now Jesus really turns up the heat because he, he, he tells some stories about the end of the world. Again, a third of the Bible is about the end of the world. One of Christ's favorite topics was the end of the world. But don't get so consumed, again, in, in, the, in the facts and the figures. Don't get so consumed in the what's and the why's that you miss the who 
and the you, because it's got to affect your life and mine. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus told a couple of stories about a wedding. Now, whenever you talk about a wedding, of course, women lock in. I mean, women love weddings. Am I, am I, am I right, guys? Do they love weddings? And the reason I think Jesus started talking about a wedding was he knew he'd capture the women and he knew the women would elbow their boyfriends and husbands and make them listen. So they were, you know, I just said that. They, just, they were just pressed in. Anyway, if you have your uh, Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 12. And then also, you might want to put a finger in Matthew chapter 25. Luke 12, Matthew 25. Here's, here's, here's the story here in Luke chapter 12. There, was these, uh, there were these servants who, who worked for obviously a very wealthy guy, and this guy had gone off and gotten married. Now, now fa- how many fathers do we have of daughters here? If you're a father of a daughter, I've got three of them. Whoa, you better be glad that you didn't live back in this time. I am. You know how long weddings lasted back in the day? Fathers, try it one week. Can you imagine how much coin that would cost? <laughs> Whoa, scares me to think about it. So the, the bridegroom had left his house, and, and understand this because we're gonna come back to it. He went to the bride's house. That's where they had the, the ceremony. Then this parade would take place back to his house for this big party, the honeymoon, etc. Well, while this guy was gone, his servants, man, they were on point. They were like, man, we're into it. I mean, we're going we're gonna to be watchful. We don't know when he's coming back. We're going to prepare the house for him. Everything is going to be great. And, and check this out. Luke chapter 12, verse 35 and 38. Here's what Jesus said. Be dressed, ready for service. Be dressed. So he's, he's saying dress up. Dress up in what? Readiness. We gotta be ready, dressed in readiness. And these servants were ready. And, and, and they were serving. I love that. So as a follower of Christ, someone who's been wrecked by grace, we should be about the business of doing what? Serving, serving. We're preparing for the bridegroom. We're preparing for when the groom and the bride connect and get together. As we become one, we're preparing for that. So are you dressed in readiness? That's a great question. Here's even a deeper question. If Christ were to come back, let's say next week, is there any activity, any conversation, anything you'd be doing, any place you'd be frequenting that would embarrass you if he were to come back while you were involved or engaged in that activity? Whoa. Oh, it's kind of scary. Woo, it's kind of convicting. Well, anyway, let's go back to what Jesus was talking about. He said, be dressed. Be dressed ready for service. Are you serving within the context of this biblically functioning community? Are you getting outside of yourself? Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. So dress up in readiness. And, and I'll just jot here, light up, not... Not that. No, 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 no. Light up. I mean, keep your lights lit, the light of Christ, right? Light up in righteousness. Now, again, let's go back, back just for a second. Back in the day, people carried these little boats of oil. 
and they would put a wick in the boat of oil and, and they would keep, if they were smart, they would keep the light lit, the light on. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he said, you are the light of the world. What does light do? Light penetrates darkness. Light shines bright. And, and we all have an opportunity to be what? To be lights in a, in a world darkened by sin. And that only happens because Jesus is inside of our lives. This word oil, I don't have time to break it all down, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit of God. It's also a symbol of the Word of God. So you got the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and you got a light happening. We read the Word of God, we're bathed in the Spirit of God, we're shining, we're moving, we're grooving, we're doing the stuff that God wants us to do. Also, if you wanna keep your, 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 your candle lit, you gotta take the wick and constantly cut it back. You gotta cut it back. You gotta cut it back. You gotta cut it back. So as I grow in my relationship with the Lord, not only am I adding things, watch this now, I'm also cutting things out. What are you cutting out of your life? What's holding you back? What's, what's keeping you from being the light that God wants you to be at your home, around the office, on the football team, in the classroom, on the business trip, on the golf course, at the country club? I mean, those, are, those are some heavy, heavy questions. So light up in righteousness. You see, when, when we think about the end times, it should cause us to live a righteous life a life of purity, a life of holiness. Because even if we live to be 80 or 90, that's nothing against the backdrop of eternity. So again, we've never looked at someone who's not an eternal being. So it should cause me as a believer to be encouraged. Jesus is coming back. To be enlightened, I don't know when he's coming back. And let me say this. If you ever hear someone predict the end times, you know it's not going to happen then. <laughs> it is good. It's just not going to happen. So I know people are going, well, yeah, well, this person said this, or I was watching Discovery Channel and Nat Geo, and uh, I don't know, a special said, no. Whenever they predict it, I know it's not going to happen then. I can tell you that because Jesus says, no one knows except the Father. No one knows. No one knows. So we're tracking now. Dress up, light up. Also, wait up. You got to wait up. Wait up. Use your resourcefulness. The Bible says, watch. Let me keep going here. Be like men, verse 38, waiting for their master to return, I'm sorry, 36, from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. And this word watching is not some passive thing. <gasps> I'm just watching. No, it's active. I mean, I'm dressing up, I'm lighting up, I'm waiting up. And then check this out. Look, look at verse 37. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He, that's, that's the groom, that's Jesus, will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, you and me, and will come and wait on them. How amazing is that? It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch in the night. Wow. Well, then we talk about another wedding. And I'll give you the Wikipedia on this one right quick. Matthew 25, 
Verses 11 through 13, another wedding, another wedding. That's right, another wedding. Say another wedding. Say, I can't believe it, but it's another wedding. Yeah, I can't either. Are you, are you guys married? Congratulations. How many years? Three. Awesome, man. Congratulations. What's your name? Rachel. Rachel and Derek. Derek. Congratulations. All right. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I love this. Jesus said there was this big monstrous wedding back in the day. And, and there were like 10 bridesmaids. And five were smart. Five were airheads. They were probably blonde. I'm just kidding. Come on now. We got to laugh. But here's what the deal was. What did I tell you earlier? I told you earlier, we learned about a wedding. I wonder if I could vertical jump this. I used to could back in the day. I might kill myself. Let me try it. I'll stretch it out before I do it. I, mean, I remember back in the day, I could just do it easy, Preston. I've lost it. Let me see. You think I can? That, that's pitiful. Dan, you think I can do it? Lisa says no. Oh, come on. I don't, I don't know if I can do it, man. That's pitiful. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. He jumped one foot in the air. Amazing. Anyway, what I told you about a wedding, you got the bride's house. That's where the wedding took place. And over here, you got the groom's house, right? And in between, after the wedding at the bride's house, you had this big wedding parade. Again, we're talking about a week, fathers. So these 10 bridesmaids, they hang out waiting for the parade. Five are smart, five are foolish. And you know, these girls were tired. They'd been at the salon all day, getting their nails done. They had the big Hebrew hair work and everything. <laughs> everything was looking great. Five of the girls, brought a bunch of oil. They knew it was going to be a long parade and a long party. The other girls, the airheads, the blondes, a little bit of oil. Well, they, they fall asleep. You know, women snore too. And why is it that women will not laugh at themselves that much? They, they just, they're just not going to laugh at themselves. Guys, we will. We're like kind of dense. <laughs> you start joking, women around, it gets very, very quiet, doesn't it, Brad? Yes. Anyway, the wedding starts in the middle of the night. They all wake up. They trim their lamps. The light is on. Wow. And the five smart ones, they got all this extra oil. But, but the five airheads, Jesus said, the foolish ones, they didn't have enough oil and their lamps were going out. And they were like, girl, girl, share some oil with me. Share some oil with me, please, I beg you. And these girls were like, sorry, we're on our way to the party. You might get down to 7-Eleven, they have a special on oil, but you better hurry back or you'll get left out. So the five girls, they run, 7-Eleven, they get the oil, come back, and guess what? Oh, this is sad here. Matthew 25, 11 and 13. Later, the others also came. That's the five airheads, the foolish ones. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, the groom. He replied, Jesus. He replied, our master, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. Because... 
you do not know the day or the hour. We've got to live in future tense, friends. We don't know the day nor the hour. And many people who think they're believers aren't. Jesus said it. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that. He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, how could a good God hurl somebody to hell? We make that choice. God doesn't. We're eternal beings. We live in one of two places. And we make that choice. And what happens on this side of the grave affects where we'll spend eternity. So dress up in readiness. Light up in righteousness. And wait up in resourcefulness as you're serving and using the Word of God and the Spirit of God to be a beacon, a light to where you live. I would love the diesel on. I've got so many more things to talk about. The signs of the end times. I've got so many things to talk about. You know, what it means to be raptured. What happens when all of a sudden, boom, we're out of here, Jack. What happens then? What do we do? How about those left behind? That's next time. That's next time. But I want to leave you just with one question. It's a simple question. Simple question. Because we covered a lot. Are you ever ready for the ever after? Are you ever ready for the ever after? Don't let another moment go by until you make that choice. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.